It's time for The Rush with OU color analyst Teddy Lehman and Travis Davidson. Got a question or opinion? Hit the guys up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439 or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wings studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Travis Davidson. Rush is back. Hour number two, Teddy Lehman here, Travis Davidson, Connor in the house as well. 651-3439 Air Comfort Solutions text line. We got the Georgia TCU National Championship coming up. Uh, what, what was your thoughts going into the, the TCU game um, with Michigan? Is, how did you see it playing out? Was it is that how you picked it? Did you think Michigan was going to be uh, you know too dominant on the lines of scrimmage? Uh quarterback situation like what were your thoughts going into it and kind of how to live up to it because it was oh man a lot was... of people had had Michigan just cruising after what they did to Ohio State most people thought that they were just going to destroy TCU yeah and and I think my I didn't watch a ton of Michigan this year but you know I'd, I'd catch the highlights and, and this that and the other but I watched the game, right? I watched mm-hmm. Ohio State, Michigan, and I think that's what gave me confidence in TCU, is because Michigan, yeah, they put up a lot of points, but man, they had dudes running wide open against Ohio State. I mean, you had you had Donovan Edwards with a broken hand running all over Ohio State. I mean, sixty yard touchdown after sixty yard touchdown. I mean, and I just didn't think, and and I don't want to use the word fluke by any means. But I just didn't think that Michigan beat Ohio State in a real methodical fashion by running, like yeah, by by really putting together Ohio drives. State or sold anything. out to stop the run, and they made them pay with the big over the top. And it was plays. yeah, absolutely. And but they were running wide open with them. I mean, safety's falling down. You got, I mean, after the game, people are wanting to fire Jim Knowles already. Uh, who just got there, but again, I I had always felt that Jim Knowles benefited from having a bunch of 25-year-olds running around on that mm-hmm. Oklahoma State defense, and maybe, you know, it, it wasn't really the home run hire that everybody thought it would be. But, yeah, I just was not that high on Michigan after that game. But I picked TCU to win uh, before the game. I really like uh, really like Duggan. Obviously, they've got some really good wide receivers that can make tough competitive plays. They run the ball extremely well, and I don't know, it was – it just felt kind of team of destiny thing a little bit to me, and yeah. I and I think my little bit of lack of confidence in Michigan was exacerbated by that a little bit. Uh, I I don't feel that way about uh, Georgia though. I I think I think Georgia wins. Yeah, I don't know, man. TCU is uh, sometimes whenever you got something special, and I don't know. There does seem to be a bit of a crack in the facade with Georgia, uh, somewhat. You know. Stetson Bennett, he made some big plays when he needed to, but he didn't play great. Um, you know, they they took a big scare there. After Ohio State, you know, coming off of getting hammered by Michigan, maybe that was just a wake-up call for Georgia. Maybe they thought that, you know, Ohio State wasn't, wasn't any good. Ryan Day was taking so much heat, and maybe they didn't take it seriously. That would be hard to believe that they wouldn't take Ohio State serious in a playoff. But I don't know. I I think it's going to be a good game, though. Um I I know, and I saw a text on here earlier, it'd be too hard to find, but the text said that, you know, they they kind of think TCU, that, that, that they want TCU to win, but 
thinks that will hurt Oklahoma in their recruiting of the the Dallas area or the Texas area. And I see you shaking your head, and I I agree with you. I don't think, and I'm not. I don't want to say that this is a a flash in the pan year from TCU. Like they're not going to be any good moving forward. Um, I don't think that's that's necessarily the case, but it's going to be really difficult. Number one, it's going to be really difficult to hang on to to Garrett Riley, right? Um, they're losing their quarterback. They're losing their their top wide receiver. I think they lose both of their inside backers, who are both really good. Really good, yeah. There's defensive player of the year, or if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, he he could have been the. Well, I, I don't know how you classify it, but he knocked out like six quarterbacks in the Big Twelve this year. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be an uphill battle, and they're not going to be catching anyone by surprise. Like I was, we were talking earlier about does the bowl game like. It, does that catapult you in the next season? I was like, well, let me see what TCU did last year in their bowl game. Didn't make a bowl game. They were five and seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they lost their last game of the year. So that's crazy to go from five and seven to where they are right now. You got to feel like some or a lot of that is kind of a lightning in the in a bottle type of situation, which good for them. And I don't mean to knock them at all, but I just. I don't think long term or even frankly near term, it's going to help uh, hurt Oklahoma rather in the recruiting in that area. Now, quarterback, I think they may be be able to step into the the game quarterback wise in recruiting to some degree, but outside of that, I don't know. I don't I, see it. I think uh, I think your pretty much your first point, Garrett Riley being gone, I think is going to be because there's no way that they're not going to pay him two and a half million dollars. They're not going to pay him two million dollars to be a coordinator at TCU. And I think when he goes, the quarterback, you know, the the quarterback momentum they have probably follows him. Um, but if they win a championship, they'll they'll pay him. And you you think I I think he's going to get poached like we see everything else. Well. It's what happens to Bama every year. They always get hired for a head coaching job or something like that. Yeah, but he doesn't care because he can get the next thing instantly. And I don't know that TCU necessarily can. And do you like, think somebody will hire him? Can hire will hire him as a head coach this off season, given the opportunity? Do you think somebody Garrett would think Riley? he's ready? Yeah, sure. Now there, there's going to be there, there'll be schools lined up to hire him. I don't know that there's any schools lined up to hire him that he's willing to leave a $2 million offensive coordinator position for. But, you know, he'll have a better feeling of what next year looks like for him and TCU than than anyone. And if he's worried about losing his quarterback and some of the skill guys and, and you know, replacing some of the, the starters they have on defense and what that means for him, then he may take a job that is not necessarily perfect, but – Use it as a stepping stone to the next thing, but yeah, he'll he'll be offered head coaching jobs by a ton of people. But uh, also knowing that he won't have Duggan, that he won't have Quentin Johnson. Don't I mean? Right. Is that a situation where he feels, you know, kind of like the the is your star the brightest right now coming off a national championship win or even a national championship appearance where 
maybe, I don't know, maybe Chandler Morris doesn't have anywhere close to the type of season that Max Duggan has, or maybe they can't get a quarterback to show up. Like, do you think he could maybe ride this momentum to starting those college paydays early? Because let me tell you, the best job in America is a fired head football coach. No, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, no si- doubt. sign me up to, to to coach whoever. Get me that buyout money. It doesn't care. I don't. It doesn't matter if I succeed or not. I saw that uh, there was a text on there, and it said Alabama would make an offer to Garrett Riley, hundred percent. Oh yeah. They've, I probably Nick Saban's probably already made that phone call because uh, rumors out there that he's searching, and you know, depending on what happens in this football game. Georgia may make that, you know, because there's there's been some rumors rumors that Munkin is gone, um, not fired, but you know, moving on to something else. So maybe Georgia's looking for an offensive coordinator as well. There's going to be tons of offensive coordinator opportunities, but if you win a championship somewhere, it it it's it's hard to leave when you win a championship there there tends to be some like you almost owe it to stay and try it again but yeah but i i think i think at this level where tcu is as far as like not only college football history but maybe you know some of the money that they're willing to put in their athletic department things like that i mean i think if you go to a place like alabama or georgia and you're the offensive coordinator a you immediately have better players like just immediately and then so you can perform well and you're guaranteed a head coaching job after that I mean I still think no matter what happens if he decides to stay or leave he'll be a head coach some year but I think your offers are so much better because then you don't know what TCU is going to do next year you just listed everybody they're losing you know where Alabama and Georgia are going to be next year same place yep probably probably the same place they've been for the last decade there's there's no doubt about that um I guess what I'm saying is if Alabama offers him, let's just for for uh, ease, they offer him $2 million a year as an offensive coordinator. You don't think TCU would match that? Um, because they're going to have to pay Sonny Dykes a big old sum too. Like well, they've, about, already, they've already agreed to a contract extension with him. Okay, is it, is so, it out like what the numbers are? Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be eight million a year, at least. Yeah, because he, uh, I think he was getting paid six, uh, but he just got. Uh, it's gonna be big. Yeah. So I, it, the influx of money that they're gonna get from yeah, donors sure. and all everything is, like they can pay for it. They can pay for it. Whenever you're winning at that clip and you just won a championship, it's going to be a hard sell to your fan base that we let our offensive coordinator walk because we'd pay him 1.8, but we wouldn't pay him two. Oh yeah, I agree. I, I just, I personally think if I were Garrett Riley, I it would be a risk assessment situation for me. It, yeah, it would be. It is a much safer trajectory to go. I mean, who knows? Who knows if he gets to Bama? I mean, we've been asking the question, Teddy, for a decade now. Who's the heir apparent to Nick Saban? I mean, what if what if Garrett Riley takes that OC job and Saban, after a couple years of that, goes, you know what, I'm ready to hang it up. I've got the guy. Have we ever seen any other Hall of Fame head coaches maybe leave 
surprisingly, because they felt they had a guy named Riley on staff that was <laughs> right. ready to take the keys, because I feel like that's happened before. Yeah. Um, someone text right there says, Garrett Riley to USC when the Rams announced they've hired Lincoln. And, you know, I, I, I thought about that briefly for a moment. You know, would Lincoln ever hire a, a true offensive coordinator to call plays and step back a little bit? And I just don't think that he would, at least not right now. And I, I think that's what makes him a great coach. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, I, and I think it's, he's, he's a great play caller. Right. I, outside of that, I mean, there, there can be plenty of debate on how good he is. But he's, he is a great play caller. Well, yeah, when you look at his success, it's been – because of his play calling, like right. not because of his CEO type, you know, mentality or anything like that. But I think if I think if Lincoln goes anywhere, it's to reunite with Kyler. That's who he wants to coach. I mean, when the his, Philly job was coming open, like like he had joked about going to reunite with Jalen, but you know the cap situation, all that with Philly at the time. But like Kyler. Kyler is a guy that he would want to coach again. So I think if he leaves, I don't think he's going to take over an L.A. Rams team that has no draft capital, no free agency money, like nothing. Uh, I don't think he's going to take that over. I think he would. I think he would take Cliff's job. Yeah, I saw a text there that says Texas A&M will call if they don't hire Petrino. Texas A&M can call Garrett Riley all they want. There is zero chance. Which I guarantee Jimbo Fisher did call. Yeah, Garrett turned them down. I mean, it was reported that when Petrino was agreeing to like meet with them and do an interview, mm-hmm. that they were after like Garrett Riley was a top candidate. Well, the fact that they just hired Bobby Petrino, I mean, you can pretty much right. you know do the math yourself. Garrett Riley turned down the A and M job because I guarantee you, Jimbo made that call. I I guarantee Jimbo's made that call. And I guarantee Nick Saban has made that call. And those two programs, it ain't even in the same ballpark. But, but now, just because Saban has made the call doesn't mean that he's offered him the job. I mean, there's a difference between the two. And, you know, there's there's going to be other people that are are going to be looking for offensive coordinators out there. I mean, but the, the list of, of jobs that he would take is incredibly small. Um, so, I mean, with with that – I mean, Alabama fans and apparently media are already talking about candidates for the Alabama offensive coordinator job. As far as I know, that job is not available right now. Bill O'Brien has that job as far as I know. So that's one thing that leads me to believe, okay, you know, they. I, I think Riley's in play for Alabama because, I mean, that Riley still has a national championship game to coach in, mm-hmm. and Alabama hasn't even made any moves with Bill O'Brien, or Bill O'Brien hasn't taken any other jobs. But the way that everybody's talking about the Alabama OC position, yeah. you would think that it nobody has that role right now, and there is somebody with that role. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, fascinating to see what happens there. But Garrett Riley, win or lose this game, aside from you know just absolutely getting shut down, which – they are going to get the best defense in college football over the last, right. you know, three four years. Uh, there is a chance for them to get shut down. But I still think even then, yeah, I, your I original agree. point that you were getting to, which it doesn't matter. No matter what, they could put zero up in this game. The it, star, it, he may just take a head coaching job too, because 
I guarantee you there's going to be head coaching jobs offered to him out there. And it's just a matter of what is he willing to take at this point. Well, they see Lincoln and they say, hey, I want I want a guy that did what Lincoln did. And now Lincoln's the head coach at USC. Mm-hmm. And he's won all these awards and everything. His brother won the Broyles Award. For all they know, they're getting just – 2.0. Uh, they're getting another Lincoln Riley. So if Lincoln Riley was available on the open market today, how many coaches would line up for him? I mean, how many programs would? I'd say a decent amount. Yeah. So I think I think Garrett has an opportunity to really take advantage of this and parlay it into a a, a good job. Who knows? Maybe maybe Auburn says, "Sorry, Hugh, uh, we actually wanted uh, Garrett." Right? Did Mississippi State make a? Did they make a confirmed like? I'm not sh- future hire or was that an interim? Deal? I know it was an interim deal, but I think it, they were starting negotiations. Okay, um, because I know we were obviously in conversations to see, hey, maybe he wants to come over to be defensive coordinator. Um, but I think they, and you know, it's a tough situation, right? Sure. Like you know the timing of it all, but um, but yeah, I think I think they've narrowed it down. I don't know what I don't know what the best head coaching positions there will be available this offseason. That's a good question. Hard to know. Um, but if TCU wins a national championship and their offense torches Georgia and Garrett Riley says, you know, I'm just waiting for the next call to be a head coach. There's going to be some there people be some saying, openings. Like, hey, uh, you know, let's maybe we should rethink our decision to go ahead and, and, and go another year with our coach. We'll get back to you. All right, quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on. Stay tuned. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. Rush is back. Teddy Lehman here, Travis Davidson in studio today. 651-3439. Connor running the board for a little bit. Um... It's interesting. Uh, talking about Garrett Riley, you see a text here says Garrett Riley to Oklahoma State. Uh, they're not getting rid of Mike Gundy. No, they can't. They know, can't. Man. He run. He run, He's he is Oklahoma State football. They've got to be really frustrated with what's gone on. Um, the the amount of guys that have hit the portal contributors contributors. You have to feel like culture or something is driving that that's not just a like there's there's something going on there that has everyone hitting the portal don't know what it is maybe it's as simple as spencer sanders leaving what they got a backup quarterback is is not any good i they they see you know the players aren't blind they can see as as easy as anyone can of of what the future looks like, and it, maybe it's guys trying to sell high and get out while they can now and try and get into the portal. I, I don't know what it is, but that's got to have a lot of donors, important people there frustrated with what's going on, but I I just – there's no way. They just, they, they're not going to fire Mike Gundy. There's no way. No. And nor should they, in my opinion. I think he's been he's been so good – He's been fantastic, but he's going to have to change his approach. You said it earlier. I mean, it's his model of getting guys there, developing them over three or four years, and always having a recruiting class 
that's outside the top 20 trying to develop two stars and three stars into you know effective NFL level college football players um, and taking advantage of that window you're going away from that in college football that has to be part of your team but it can't be the entirety of the team right so with that I think all of his years of pontificating at, I mean about the transfer portal about recruiting about the playoff about you know the the he gives a state of the union address at every press conference right so i think all of that may catch up with him because if you don't he already doesn't recruit at a high level and he's got one of his worst recruiting classes of all time right. you know coming into stillwater this year and you get all your production gone i mean that's tough but you know eventually i mean how does he if he's not fired at any point does he just coach another 30 years? Like, do you, are you forced into just waiting until he's ready to retire? He decides. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's it's a lot like the TCU-Gary Patterson situation. Just saying. And, yeah, I, if they look at it and they see what's what's going on there, and then, man, it's got to make them feel like they, they could make a move. Well, for, um, for two decades, or for the better, I guess the better part of two decades, if OU and Texas were to ever leave, it always felt like the heir apparent to who runs the conference. And I know I kept Texas in there, but Oklahoma's run the conference. So when they leave, Oklahoma State seemed like they had been named team in waiting. Especially the year they had last year. Yeah. And, you know, Oklahoma and I mean, and you Texas, go and beat Notre Dame like, in the bowl. And, you I mean, right. you've got all this momentum. It feels like you return your quarterback. You know, you've got talent elsewhere. And it's – you get there and then you do this. And now – what are they going to finish next year? What are they going to be projected to finish next year at the start of the season? Tenth out of oh, the tw- no. out of the fourteen teams. Because keep in mind, we'll have maybe fourteen. I mean, because at this point, you've got that freshman quarterback. Unless Zane Flores, the three star from Nebraska, can. I mean, a true freshman. We're worried about Jackson Arnold starting at any point during, you know, the season as a true freshman. They they may have to play Zane Flores and. I don't know the kid. I'm sure he's a great kid, but he's not who you want to be leading the charge maybe as a true freshman. So you look at that, you look at all the production leaving, their running backs leaving. They've got like 50% of their rushing and receiving production last year leaving. They've got over a quarter of their tackling production losing. It's everyone. And And it's hard for them to fill holes to begin with. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's what really the conversation was about injuries, right, down the stretch for them. The whole point about recruiting well is that you build depth so you can, you know, withstand the injuries that come to every college football team. There hasn't been a college football team in the history of the sport make it through an entire year without somebody missing some time for an injury. So the idea that they had some of their offensive linemen were just, quite frankly, not Big 12 offensive linemen. But that's because you've not recruited at that level. So now you've got it not recruiting at a Big 12 level, and then you've got your your dudes that have made it leaving – I mean, I don't, I don't see a situation. I think the only way they fire Gundy is if he wins four games next year. Yeah, uh, and that may happen. And it's but on I, the table. Yeah, I don't know. Um, a couple of things. Number one, someone said, "What do you think about Garrett Riley to Michigan if if Harbaugh makes his uh, move to the NFL?" Like, like has been rumored. Um, doesn't feel like a Michigan man. He doesn't, but it just put fifty one up on him. I mean, it goes back to what we said earlier, right? Hiring, you know, the people that beat you or hiring 
or, or going after players in the portal that cooked you or anything like that? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, don't know. I my my gut is to say uh, no. I don't. I don't think so. But they may say like if if Harbaugh leaves, and I don't know like what the rest of that staff would want. Like would they like the defensive staff? Would they want to follow him to the NFL? And who knows if he would even offer right. that. Uh, would they, just they be, up 51. <laughs> you know, would they be upset about um, being passed over for the head coaching job? I, I don't know, but the thought probably would be there, hey, what if we combine that offense with what we've done recently on defense? We could have ourselves a juggernaut here, but I just I don't know I don't know how that would work out. And I saw another text on here that said, do we do we think there's going to be any coaching changes um, at Oklahoma or changes or anything move, any moves made on the coaching front. And I would say, I don't think so other than like perhaps wide receiver. And, and that's, that's the, the wide receiver coaching position is, is maybe the one um, cause you had the, the fill in spot all year. Maybe they make that permanent. Uh, maybe they're they're waiting on Malcolm Kelly. That would be the only answer to me, and right? Make a big run at him. If you can't get and and this is no disrespect to to Washington, but Malcolm Kelly is an upgrade at the position as a coach. If you now that his top dudes are leaving, I know that JoJo Earl, they just got him from Alabama um out of the portal, so maybe he thinks he's reloading it, you know, they're losing the quarterback, they're losing this that and the other. I mean, what if you can get Malcolm Kelly? But I think outside of Malcolm Kelly, I think you run it back because, as we were saying earlier, you have an opportunity just for some continuity at the position. I mean, yeah. we've had so much turnover for our wide receivers. Like, let's just see if we can get somebody for over a year there that can develop. I'm just I'm laughing at the text line right now. Uh, y'all are making me sick with all this Riley talk. Does Garrett Riley catch the – uh, is, is he? Does he catch, catch the fodder from from Lincoln Riley? I'm, I guess so. That's understandable. What if we just start saying Garrett instead of using Garrett. the last name? <laughs> yeah. You think Garrett's going to get a job? What do you think about yeah. Garrett? Um, and then what was the other one? It said, "Is AM going to lose any recruits with the Pervino hire?" Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. It's a solid text, man. Uh, maybe and. Not only may they lose some recruits, they may lose some some players. Who was it that you showed me had the tweet that was – Oh, Evan Stewart. Yeah. Evan Stewart, who is their best wide receiver, um, former five-star, just, I mean, really watching those games, he carried a lot, of, a, a lot of that offense when they had to go through the air. He was miraculous. But he just tweeted the uh, dot, 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 and then hit send. I was like, oh, man. You just – you, is that just like a You can't be excited about that hire. And and to their recruiting class already had like two or three signees at skill position. Right. Like they got Ruben Owens to go over there. They got but like I don't think any recruit I don't think Petrino's walking into a lot of living rooms and they're like, ah, yeah. I didn't know if that was like the dot 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 as as like just kind of like the uh or if that was Morris code to some coaches out there that yeah, he's right. about to hit the portal. So get yeah. your ducks in a row. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was winking like, hey, hey, hey. Uh, might be some unrest, but he he's a guy that would 
would instantly be a, a top three player in the portal. You talk about a, a difference maker, like at the wide receiver position, boom, instant. Because dude, dude's a stud, and I can't imagine uh, – I can't imagine that there are that many players that are too stoked about it, only because when it was initially reported uh, by uh, Billy Lucci, um, when it was initially reported that they were going to interview Petrino, people were – like there were people, there were fans making transfer portal edits that they were leaving A and M's fan base <laughs> over just an interview. I mean, they make the hire, and oh man, and and again for for uh, for a fan base that defends the crazy stuff they do down there in College Station, for a Petrino hiring to be the bridge too far is really saying something. I still want Travis to please repeat and explain. The bar scenario with one five-star and nine three-stars in the elimination process, OU Architect. Is that from the um, the hall pass? Is that what that's talking about? That could be. Yeah, so so for, for those of you that haven't seen the movie Hall Pass, <laughs> um, you know, Owen Wilson um, – they get the uh, the hall pass from their wives, so they're like, "Oh man, if I were, you know, if I were single, I'd still be, you know, hot out on the market, this, that, and the other." And so they go out to a club, and they're gonna pick up some women, or at least try to. They meet up with uh, their this uh, old friend that's kind of a ladies' man type, and they're like, "Man, we want to go talk to that girl over there. She's a ten. He goes, "No, no, no, no. Let me show you guys what happens here." and if you surround yourself with less attractive people than you, by comparison, look more attractive. So he holds Which his for hands. The record is what I try to do, but I always end up being one of the the, the people on the side <laughs> that gets covered up. I get covered up. Yeah. So so the um, you know the the old ladies man. He puts his hands in. Imagine the University of Miami. You imagine throwing that up. He covers the two ladies on the outside of the, the 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 tall blonde that they're talking about, and she looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he cover up, or no, 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 no she no, looks bad. She looks bad. When they when he takes the hands away and separates the U, she looks great because she's getting compared to right. the two friends she brought with. Um, Studafish, S T O O T F I S H. Look it up if you need to. But this is this is common. So that that's what Jimbo is doing. He has found his other Studafish to stand around him in DJ Durkin, who killed a kid, and Bobby Petrino. Right. So now Jimbo, by comparison, looks like uh, the good, noble, and pure coach that he is. And I appreciate the text line for the correction. Morse code, not Morris code. Yeah, who's Morris? I don't know. Uh, mistake by me. I think that's just Morse code. In Oklahoma, you just throw a, a random <laughs> vowel in there. Okay, that's just how that works. Um, yeah, I, interesting stuff. We're late for a timeout. Quick break. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on. Stay tuned. The word is spreading. Rush is back. Hour number two rolls on. Teddy Lehman here. Travis Davidson. And is that T.J. Perry in there? Yeah, nice. it is. Okay. Yeah, a little a little change up there mid show, no big deal. Uh, hanging out in studio, keep hitting the text on six five one three four three nine. Been uh, some good stuff rolling in there. Um, 
we've hit a little bit of transfer portal. Um, feels like it was three hours ago, but still some opportunity. And, and you brought up a good point. You know, a lot of the teams that are closing out the important bowl um, season, like not the uh, not the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, not the Weed Eater Bowl, but Peach Orange. Cotton, stuff like that. There's some good teams with some good players, and there's a chance that some of those players start to make their way into the portal after those bowl games have now wrapped up because, you know, a lot less likely to opt out of those big-time games with that big of an audience and an opportunity to play against good teams. So uh, there may be some opportunities. Ohio State guys, perhaps, um, you know, Clemson, Guys, there's there's some some opportunities out there, perhaps. And Oklahoma has been patient. You know, I know they've been in on some guys and and haven't. They've been beat out on some guys, but you know, some of that, you know, maybe nil driven at some other places. And let's face it, Oklahoma's collective nil situation, at least at the moment. Doesn't compare with like a Miami who's got a billionaire funding theirs. Yeah, and it's I don't think the collective like I don't necessarily feel like Miami's collective. Well, like I don't even know how to phrase it. Yeah, you know, I think everyone knows what I mean. It's like the money behind the program. Yeah, and like we we have more limited funds than that, and it makes sense to be more selective early and be able to to be able to maybe have some better NIL opportunities later if some players from these top teams hop into the portal instead of you know blowing all of your NIL funds right out of the gate on guys and roster spots right which maybe a lot of people have and roster spots yes because they're you know they can't just sign anyone and everyone that they want anymore it's it's a little bit different now so They've got to be able to make it make sense, and I don't know, you know, they've got a limited amount, so it's there's still time. Transfer portal situation isn't over, and there could be some high value targets making their way in soon. Yeah, I mean, when you look at who we have already, uh, who we've gone after, we are big game hunting in the portal. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you look at just even this recruiting class; we were big game hunting in the recruiting class too, uh, and it paid off for us. So when you look at who we've signed. You're looking at guys that are on the two deep. You're not looking for depth to build depth. Develop your depth through your recruiting class and who's on campus. They're looking for guys like Trace Ford, who may start. He's definitely on the two deep, though. Um, Deshaun McCullough, he's a starter. Austin Stogner, he's a starter. Jacob Lacey, on the two deep, right? And Reggie Pearson, he's on the two deep. So you just have to look at a guy and say, are you a cultural fit? Tell me why you are leaving. Tell, like, tell me why you are entering the portal. And, you know, is this guy going to, you know, be an instant impact type of dude? And I think when you check those boxes, as well as some of the eligibility things, like, you can you can really do well with it. But I do think that there are players from places like Ohio State and Clemson and places like that that I think you can go back and look at who has maybe coached them previously, who recruited them to where they were, or who finished second or third in their initial recruitment, because this is all about relationships. It always has been. And I personally, Teddy, when I look at, you know, like as far as Oklahoma's funds being limited, 
I think part of that may be philosophically driven more so than actual, like everybody's broke. Like, I think it's more so that we don't want to get in the full-blown, all right, we'll drop a you know bag of million dollars cash at your doorstep, just come play with us. Because, again, it gets into the argument of, you know, culture. Do those people fit in your culture? I mean, I know if, uh, you know, one of the top-ranked running backs commits in this class. He's now signed. Uh, but he called up. He wanted to come here, called up and said, how much money are you guys going to give me? And they said, you know what, that's uh, that's probably not a cultural fit. So right. um, that player has since signed elsewhere to one of the schools that's well-known for accepting that type. So I think NIL, especially the pay-for-play side up front, has given you almost another filter to run recruits through to see if they're going to be a cultural fit or at least giving you a better idea whether they're going to be uh, a cultural fit or not. Oklahoma is – we at one point, whenever the portal just got rolling, we were up there at the top. Right now, and this is according to 247 Sports, and obviously it's ever updating with, with all the activity going on, with seven commits – Oklahoma right now is ranked 19th in the uh, the portal transfer rankings. However, you know that that goes. Florida State is number one with eight. Colorado is number two with 17 commits. Um, LSU, Michigan, in the top five. Um, interesting that Oklahoma State is ranked ahead of us at 17. We're 19, but point of all this is uh, still more to come and probably some some decent players still going to jump in and, and you know that's one of the things that we got to think about with with TCU um, you know TCU's got four commits in the in the transfer portal a um, couple of Alabama guys they've got um, what LSU Florida so they've got some good players that have jumped in and I wonder if you know we're not factoring that in enough with what they think may happen here coming up in the transfer portal after the successful year that they've had. You know, talking about whether or not Garrett Riley leaves or or what their future may look like. So, you know, we'll see what happens, man. I I still think that Oklahoma has needs they need to address. We need depth on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I like the way that that our group came in and played in the Florida State game, but, you know, as we saw with, with Sexton, you know, it's we're going to be light there. He goes down and we're on our fifth tackle all of a sudden, and I know that'll change, that whole dynamic change for next year, but... Which I think he played admirably, Parks. Sure. Parks for played a fifth admir- tackle, for I mean, fifth come tackle, on. you can't expect anything more than how he did. Most teams in the country that are on their fifth tackle, it's not going to look like that going up against a Florida State defensive line. Right. So, but the point is, like, Right now, we we have exhausted all of our experience. There's no one left, really, to go to after what you're losing to the draft and guys that are graduating. We're going to be incredibly thin on experience. So that that to me, like, there's some other spots that I would really like to add some good players. But that to me is like, that's the biggest need. You got to have some depth there. Yeah. Offensive linemen go down pretty frequently. So. To me, that at this point, that's probably – now, I would love a playmaker on wide receiver. If we can't get that in the portal, I'm fine with that. We just got to develop it. But we absolutely have to add some experience and depth on, on the offensive line. And I know we will 
It's just a matter of what type of quality are we going to get. Right. And, you know, you brought up the 247 transfer portal rankings where we rank 19th. Um, if, if we were just to take the top 20 in that ranking, just for round numbers, take the top 20, yeah. we would rank 8th if you just did average recruit ranking, which, yeah. which goes more to my point, right? We are getting difference makers. Arizona State's ahead of us, and they have 18 commits. Do you think that's 18 difference makers? I maybe, certainly don't. Maybe with Arizona State. With Arizona State, it might be. Uh, depends what you mean by difference maker. Right. Those guys may all start, but I don't know what, what type of difference that's going to make. Right. But, yeah, you go big game hunting if you're Oklahoma in the portal, and that's what they've done so far. Yep, good stuff. All right, quick timeout. One more segment for hour number two, and we'll wrap it up next. Stay tuned. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. Rush is back, wrapping up our number two. Got one more coming up next. Uh, Been getting into all kinds of things today. Um, Did you see the... I see the DeMar Hamlin stuff on TV right now. What, six and a half, seven million bucks or something like that has been donated to his charity, which I thought it was awesome. A very modest goal on that charity to raise $2,500 for toys uh, for the local community where he grew up and has now gone to six and a half million dollars. Just incredible. Yeah. And what's really cool is kind of going through, you know, the, the top donors and whatnot and, and really just seeing a lot of, you know, like, you know, Andy Dalton and, and, mm-hmm. and guys like that. Like, Andy Dalton uh, had a lot of bills donating to his, you know, GoFundMe, his charity because of uh, they helped him out in a playoff situation. Like, things like that. Like, I just think it's – I think it's really cool when fan bases or um, other players or anybody like that find that avenue and they're able to make that work. Unrelated, but – I've always wondered if it's uh, out of line to start a GoFundMe for a Ferrari. I've always wanted a bright red Ferrari with the yellow Ferrari badge Only right there. Only one way to find out. Only one way to find out. I think people would look down on me if I started GoFundMe for a Ferrari. TJ says yes. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We've got one hour remaining next. <laughs> 